You're listening to the Stratfor Essential Geopolitics podcast from RAIN. I'm Emily Donahue. Negotiations that began last month regarding a U.S. and Iran nuclear deal were interrupted by an attack on Iran's nuclear facility and that country's reaction, essentially upping its violations of the 2015 JCPOA. What's the update on the latest nuclear talks between the U.S. and Iran? Here with details is Emily Hawthorne, Stratfor's Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst at RAIN. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. Can you give us an update on where talks stand? Yeah, so we have had a lot of progress in the last few weeks in terms of these talks between Iran, the United States, and the other members of the Commission of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, uh, which is more commonly known as the Iran nuclear deal from 2015. So we, as you said, did have uh, the nascent talks interrupted by that sabotage incident uh, that was likely Israel at the Natanz nuclear facility. But these talks aren't between Iran and Israel. These talks are between Iran and the JCPOA Commission, which is comprised of those representatives of the EU plus three, um, China, France, Germany, Russia, the UK, and the United States. Uh, And it's really key here to see that because these talks have continued, even after that incident at Natanz, it's clear that Iran wants some progress on these talks, and uh, the other members of the JCPOA Commission want some progress on these talks. So we're at a phase right now where the talks continue to take place. Uh, They've been taking place in Vienna. And, you know, I'm not a diplomat, but even the continuation of talks and uh, the fact that the door continues to be open to more rounds of talks definitely means that something positive is happening in terms of all sides being receptive to what's being discussed on the table. We've seen technical groups be formed to sort of hash out some of the technical details of what needs to take place in terms of sequencing. Sequencing is a word that comes up a lot with these talks because both sides, all sides really are trying to figure out what happens first. Um, And the big, big question is, okay, is the United States going to lift sanctions on Iran first, or is Iran going to comply first with limiting some of its nuclear program developments? The question of sequencing who moves first, that is a really key question for these talks. And there must be some receptiveness on all sides to what is being discussed in Vienna for these talks to continue taking place. Well, Emily, you you talked about the sequencing, and uh, I know that Stratfor has also published Um, information about the upcoming presidential election in Iran. Can I ask you how that may have an impact on these talks? Yes, there is a presidential election in Iran in June of this year, and it certainly does factor into uh, these talks. There has been, of course, a political ascendance in Iran of more hardline, more conservative, Uh, more IRGC-linked politicians and candidates and voices uh, over the last few years, in part because of the failure of the JCPOA and because of the U.S. withdrawal from the deal that happened, of course, under uh, President Donald Trump. And you have seen very clearly uh, in the Iranian parliament 
the rise of more conservative voices and the popularity of conservative voices and a, a conservative strategy toward how they want to move forward in foreign policy, how they want to move forward um, on some aspects of Iran's uh, defensive behavior. A more hardline president emerging from that election is certainly going to make it harder to reach a deal, in part because hardliners in Iran do tend to be less open to global engagement and less open to moderation. Um, They're also, if we do have a more hardline candidate emerge as president, uh, they're likely to be less open to any kind of negotiation over other aspects of Iranian behavior aside from the nuclear deal. Any uh, sort of offensive and defensive behavior like Iran's use of missiles, um, they, of course, would view that as a valid component of Iran's sovereign right to defend itself. Um, Whereas moderates like the current president, Rouhani, do tend to be more open to um, negotiation in general, open to discussion with the West, with the United States. Um, But one idea that I really want to get across on the elections is that and I think it really bears saying, is that sanctions relief, which is one of the, it is the key thing that Iran is seeking in these talks, in these negotiations with the United States and the and the rest of the JCPOA commission, sanctions relief is a goal for the whole Iranian political spectrum. And whether a political leader is reformist or moderate or hardline or conservative or something in between all those rather fluid categories, Everyone wants sanctions relief. Everyone wants that burden lifted from the Iranian economy. They just disagree on the way to go about it. Uh, And so I do think it will be interesting to see if we have more momentum to uh, come up with a deal between the U.S. and Iran even prior to the election. Um, That would be rather bullish, but it is possible. Um, I think we think it's more likely that there will be some sort of deal struck after the election And at that point, we will have that more interesting variable of, okay, who's the president and what does that mean about the political forces in Iran and what does that mean about mediation and discussions with the West moving forward? Well, what do these talks mean for regional stability? That's a really important question because, as we mentioned before, sequencing in these talks is a really critical issue. But the scoping of the talks is critical too. you know, what's actually on the table versus what isn't. And for Iran in general, um, you know, they want to keep these talks hyper focused on the nuclear issue and on trading compliance for compliance. You know, the U.S. complies to what it agreed with in the 2015 JCPOA in terms of sanctions relief. Iran complies with what it agreed to in the 2015 JCPOA in terms of limiting nuclear advancement. And Iran, in general, doesn't want to discuss any other aspects of its behavior. Um, And it's fair to say that even limits on Iranian nuclear behavior would be helpful for regional stability, given the advances we've seen in their nuclear program. I mean, it made a lot of headlines, and for good reason, that Iran did announce it would begin enriching uranium to 60% purity. And that matters a lot because it does put Iran closer to nuclear breakout or being able to develop nuclear weapon grade uranium. Um, So the rub with these talks, these sort of nascent talks that we're seeing in Vienna, is that they they don't touch on other aspects of Iranian behavior. Um, You know, the original JCPOA was drafted, it was designed, according to some of those involved with the drafting, um, 
it was designed to be a starting point for negotiations on Iran's nuclear program, freeze progress made there, and that would perhaps enable a conversation on other things like Iran's regional militia activity or Iran's ballistic missile program. You know, it was never supposed to solve everything that is concerning to the U.S. government about Iran's behavior regionally and globally. Or its neighbors. Or its neighbors. And that's a really, I'm glad that you mentioned that because, you know, those neighbors, regional actors like Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Bahrain, you know, they're legitimately concerned about all those aspects of Iranian behavior to different degrees. You know, Saudi Arabia's government has a different view on Iran than the Emirati government does. Um, You know, it's all very nuanced. But they certainly are concerned about Iranian ballistic missile advancements. They're absolutely very concerned about uh, Iran's support for regional militias, including the Houthi rebels in Yemen. So they are uh, no doubt going to welcome any agreement that limits Iran's nuclear behavior, but they also want to make sure that their security vis-a-vis Iran is preserved and um, is something that uh, the United States cares about and It's not at this stage something that's factoring into these talks at all, which means that those big looming questions about regional stability are still there, um, even if these talks lead to any sort of initial deal that then sort of lowers the threat profile related to the nuclear program and lowers the threat profile related to Iran, you know, harassing maritime traffic or um, launching certain types of cyber attacks as part of its negotiating strategies and building leverage toward uh, achieving sanctions relief. And then the last thing I'll say is Israel, another regional actor, is absolutely not okay with any deal that just limits Iran's nuclear behavior and doesn't limit other aspects of Iran's behavior. And so the Israel-Iran conflict continues, uh, certainly, no matter what happens with Uh, these nascent talks in Vienna. So the question of regional stability is still quite a serious one, um, even if uh, something emerges from these talks that helps lower the threat that Iran's nuclear program presents to the region and to the world. Emily Hawthorne is Stratfor Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst at RAIN. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Stay up to date on the latest geopolitical developments and analysis of Iran and the Middle East with Stratfor Worldview. Sign up for our free newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. 